right, let's just pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for even speaking to us already. Oh, God, and Lord, we pray, Lord, as we come to your word, Lord, that you would just minister to each one of us. Lord, we acknowledge that without your Holy Spirit, we can receive nothing of eternal value. And so, Lord, we just depend on you. You help us, guide us. Let your anointing be there. And, Lord, we just pray for an impartation of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, this morning we're carrying on with our series. The general series is preparation for revival. We're in part nine. And this morning I want to look at the, the subject basically of revival and God's word. Revival and the word of God. Now, revivals in the Old Testament were often associated with special celebrations of the, the Feast of Passover. And they'd turn and they'd celebrate the Passover, uh, especially in the time of the kings. We see that in Jehoshaphat, and Hezekiah, in Josiah. And these revivals were a turning back to God and a, a spiritual awakening. And they produced a spiritual awakening resulting in repentance and many people turn, returning to the living God and to walk according to his laws, God's laws, God's word. And there was an emphasis on the word of God, on the word of God and teaching. And as we look to the Lord and seek to prepare ourselves for the revival that's coming, the revival in the last days, the revival the fulfillment of the Old Testament Feast of Tabernacles, uh, it's so important for us not only to, to not only to know the Word of God, but to have it worked out in our lives. And Psalm 51 and verse 6 speaks about truth in the inward parts. Truth in the inward parts. In the inward parts. Within. So... You know, it's not, just, it's not just a knowledge of the Word of God. It's not just knowing with our mind. But what we want is, and what we want to pray for, is that, you know, God's Word would become flesh. God's Word would become part of us. God's Word would be worked out in our life, in our experience. And, you know, there's going to be... Tr tremendous deception in these last days. Tremendous deception. Unbelievable deception. And Jesus warned about this. And when Jesus, in the main chapter, when Jesus spoke about the signs of his coming, uh, Matthew 24, and he gave a list of many signs of his coming. And in that chapter, Jesus, the very first, you know, when the, the disciples had come to Jesus and they said, you know, what shall be the signs of thy coming? And the very first sign that Jesus mentioned, he said, Take heed, verse, verse 4, Matthew 24, verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. And this is the first of many signs that Jesus gives concerning his second coming. And it's not only that one verse. In fact, it is repeated in Matthew 24. It is repeated two other times in the same chapter. So in the same chapter, 
in the same chapter of the signs of his coming, Jesus warns about deception coming, and he says it three times. We've already read verse 4, and in verse 11 of Matthew 24, it tells us there, And many false prophets shall, ar- shall rise and shall deceive many. Deceive many. It's not talking about unbelievers. It's talking about unbelievers. It's talking about believers. Many will be deceived. And then again in verse 24, and Jesus says there, Then for there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and will show great signs and wonders. Some of them will even perform miracles. Insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Those who are elect, those who are, you know, got their hearts set on serving the Lord and love the Lord, that if it were possible, they shall deceive even the very elect. So the very fact that Jesus mentioned deception, he mentioned it first, and it was repeated two other times, three times. And we also heard that come out in prophecy this morning. But in the same chapter, in the same chapter, with the signs of his coming, Great deception is needed. Great deception is coming. And because of that, because of that, that is one of the key reasons we must love the Word of God. We must study the Word of God. We must hear the Word of God. We must have the Word of God. We must have an incredible love for God and His Word. And I want you to pray. I want you to pray that God will give you, ask the Holy Spirit that God will give you a real love for the Word of God, a passion for the Word of God. So you're, you, know, you, you want to feed on the Word of God. You're excited about the Word of God. You want the Word of God to, to be worked out in your life and in, your, in our experience. And in that same chapter 24, verse 14, Jesus spoke of revival in the last days, one of the signs of his coming. And this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. So we all need to cry out to God for a fresh hunger, a new hunger for the word of God, a greater love for the word of God, a greater knowledge of the word of God. And this will not only help us, it will help when... It'll help us to keep us from deception, but it will help to equip us and prepare us so that we, when revival comes, we can teach others. Now, obviously, not everybody has the gift or the ministry gift of a teacher. No. But we can all teach, you know, at a a certain level. We can share with somebody one-on-one. We're we're teaching them. Maybe others can teach in a... You know, a children's a, a, a children's Sunday school class, or a, a small home home meeting, or with two or three gathered together, and so many many can teach, and we're going to need many teachers of righteousness raised up, and we we need to get ready now before revival hits. So when revival comes, you know, we're prepared, we're equipped, we are ready in the Word of God. 
And so God wants to use us to prepare us, for us to, to know his word. And so by the grace of God, you know, we will be those who will be able to impart to others and to teach others. And you know, there's a great importance, the tremendous importance of the word of God and teaching. And in Joel chapter 2, and Joel is the prophet, sometimes people call him the prophet of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit or the, the prophet of revival. And in the book of Joel, it speaks about the rain, speaks about the former rain, the early rain. But then it speaks about the, the latter rain. And those rains in Israel, they were necessary for the harvest. And the early rain, that, would, they would, they, that was around about September, October, they would pl the rain would come, it would soften the ground so that they could plow the ground ready for, for sowing, ready for sowing that, that seed, as we've been hearing about, sowing and reaping. And then the, the winter months would go by, and then there would be, later on, there would be the spring rains. They were the heavy rains. They were the very hard rains. And that would bring the crops to maturity, would bring the crops to maturity. And rain, we know, is a picture of revival and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And in Joel 2, in verse 23, it tells us there, Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately. And that's speaking of the, you know, like where we are now or the, the, the charismatic move, uh, the move of the Holy Spirit amongst many churches, especially in the 1960s and 1970s, and will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain. And the former rain is a spe speaks of the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the early church. The latter rain, the heavy rain, which is much greater, speaks of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and revival coming in these last days, which, which, which we are on the brink of, which, we are, which is getting closer and closer. Now, in that verse, Joel 2 and verse 23, it says... He has given you the former rain moderately. Now, in the margin of my Bible, and possibly the margin of your Bible, where it says former rain moderately, it says teachers of righteousness. Teachers of righteousness. And so teachers of righteousness were, like, were likened to the, like the rain that came down from above. And, you know, God is wanting to raise up in these days, God is wanting to raise up many teachers of righteousness who can minister, to, who can teach others. And so they in turn can teach others. And now is the time to study. Now is the time to prepare. So as God moves by his spirit, we are prepared and we are ready. Chapter 2, verse 24. And the floors shall be full of wheat. And the floors full of wheat. Wheat speaks of the word of God. And in the last days, you know, there'll be a great feast upon the word of God. God's word will be opened, you know, in a new and wonderful way. And God will give many great revelation 
on the word of God. In Daniel 11, in verse 33, right in the, the middle of many prophetic words and about the nations, in, in 11 verse 33, it, uh, it speaks about what's going to happen in the last days. And it speaks about those who are strong and will do exploits. But then it also speaks about the teaching ministry. And verse 33 says, They that understand among the people, they shall instruct many. They shall instruct many. And so we, be we can believe God will raise up you know, powerful teaching ministries who will teach many and give people you know, a deeper understanding of the truth of God, the ways of God, the knowledge of God. And in fact, in the book of Daniel chapter 12, the following chapter, and verse 4, it gives one of the signs of the last days, and it says, knowledge shall be increased. Knowledge shall be increased. And as Paul says in Corinthians, he said, first the natural, then the spiritual. First the natural, then the spiritual. Knowledge shall be increased. Knowledge shall be increased in the natural. Knowledge shall be increased in the, in the spiritual. And I'm just thinking, that is happening in the natural. Knowledge shall be increased. If we start from the time of Adam and, and knowledge that, that mankind had, we go for thousands of years and we go like that, that, like, like that. But then, you know, in the last... 20 or 30 years, knowledge has gone like that. And it's just increased exponentially. Or, you know, in recent years, knowledge, natural knowledge, has in increased, you know, incredible amounts. I mean, just on a tiny little chip, you can, you know, volumes and volumes of books can be stored on just a tiny little chip. I mean, abs it's absolutely incredible. And the knowledge in the natural is increasing, but that's first. Then the knowledge in the spiritual. God will open up his word. In the natural, I mean, it's incredible. The week before, not, not this week, but you know, the week before last, I was asked to do a teaching on Zoom. And I needed Brian to help me get it set up. And I went up to the studio just upstairs there. And Brother Swaroop sort of was in India, was organizing things. And so I, I, I gave, a, gave a message, and I had to interpret into two languages. I interpreted into the Telugu language, which was Indian, so I had an interpreter for that. And then I interpreted into the Spanish, had an interpreter for that. So I would, I would speak a phrase or two, and then... then at exactly, and then as soon as I'd finished that phrase, Brother Nehemiah, he's one of the young men with, with Brother Pastor Saroop, he was in Hyderabad, India, and he translated that. And then there was, uh, then there was Pastor, Pastor Montoya's daughter, Johanna, from Utah. She was in Utah. She was in Roy, Utah. And then she translated into Spanish. So there was a Telugu translator, Indian translation. There was a there was a, a Telugu translation, 
and then they informed people from other places. So at exactly the same time, there were some people for listening in different parts of the US, there were people listening from Israel, there were people listening from India, there were people listening from UK, there were pe people listening from Scotland, there were pe people listening from, from, from Mexico. And that's, I mean, my mind can hardly, you know, can hardly understand it. I mean, here I speak, and at exactly the same time, what I speak can be heard in those different countries, and it can be interpreted, you know, in, in different languages. I mean, you know, I mean, if we thought even 30 years ago of something like that happening, but knowledge is just increasing exponentially. And so the knowledge of the Word of God, so the knowledge of the Word of God in these last days, God's going to give incredible revelation, understanding of His truth, of His ways. Oh, we, we, we are living, we're living in very serious times, but on the other hand, we're living in exciting times. I, I would rather be alive today than any other time in history in the past, even though in spite of all the problems that we're having at this time. In the Old Testament, they had revival under Jehoshaphat. And he had a mighty revival of righteousness and a great victory over his, his, his enemies. And there was, he sent people out to teach. And in 2 Chronicles 17, and in 2 Chronicles 17, and in verse 6, it says, His heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord, and he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. He got rid of idols. Also in the third year of his reign, he sent to his princes. And it gives the names of some of those princes. And what he sent them out to teach in the cities of Judah. And then with them, he sent Levites. And it gives the name of some of these Levites. And it says, and with them, he gives the names of Elishama and Jehoram. They were priests. And so the, the, the Levites... And the priests were sent out by King Jehoshaphat. What did they do? At verse 9, it says, And they taught in Judah. They taught. They were teaching the word of God. They were teaching the law of God. And they had the book of the law of the Lord with them. And they went about through all the cities of Judah, and they taught the people. Jehoshaphat was not only righteous, but he was a man concerned with the spiritual development of his people. And so it is clear he established and sent forth teachers of righteousness to expound upon the law throughout his kingdom. Then later on after that, there was revival under King Hezekiah. He was a remarkable man. He followed the Lord. God gave him revival. And in the early years of his reign, he decreed a feast of Passover which was the greatest Passover that Judah had known up until that time. That's in 2 Chronicles 30 and verse 26. And it says there that the, there were so many sacrifices, and the priests, they were, there weren't enough of them. And so they, they needed the Levites to help them. And it's, it's, like, it's going to be like that, I believe, when revival comes. I mean, all those who are maybe in pastors or in full-time ministry, there'll be so many people that 
you know, so many people coming in. They won't be able to cope. It's going to need many other, many other lay leaders to help, to bring in the harvest, to teach those new ones that have come in. It says in verse 36, And Hezekiah rejoiced. This is chapter 20 of chapter 29 of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles 29, 36. Hezekiah rejoiced, and all the people, that God had prepared the people, for the thing was done suddenly. You know, sometimes it seems we wait, we wait, we wait, and wait. But God has his suddenly, 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 suddenly it happened. Suddenly God can come and pour out his spirit. On the day of Pentecost, they were with one heart, and they were of one accord, in one mind, in one place. And Acts 2, verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound of a rushing mighty wind. Suddenly God came on the scene. And with Hezekiah, the people were prepared, and suddenly God came. We want to be prepared. We need to be prepared. We want to be prepared when the Lord comes. Hezekiah honored the word of God, and he was used in compelling about in compiling about 20% of the book of Proverbs. Hezekiah was a teaching king who encouraged the Levites to teach the word of God. And then after Hezekiah, there was revival also under Josiah. He, he came to the throne. He was only eight years old. He only reigned for 31 years. He died when he was 39. And, but God gave Josiah great revival. And in fact, God gave Josiah the greatest revival that Israel had ever experienced. And that revival that Josiah had, it was based upon the discovery of the book of the law, the word of God, which was probably, or at least it was Deuteronomy, or it might have been the whole of the Pentateuch. And we find that in 2 Chronicles 34 and 14. So, you know, Josiah, he was an amazing king. And, in fact, his name was prophesied by, he was, he was named prophetically by a man of God who said there's a man who will come 300 years in 300 years' time. And about 300 years later, he was born. And, he was, and 300 years before, it was says that this man, Josiah, would be born. And it, and it gives his name. I mean, absolutely amazing is the word of God. And another thing about Josiah, his father was Ammon. He was a terribly wicked king. And his grandfather Manasseh was a terrible king also, very ungodly. And he reigned for 55 years, and he brought idols and everything into the temple of the, into Solomon's temple. You know, some people say, well, the sins are passed, on, passed down. And, and there is truth in that. The sins are passed down. But I, I want, you know, some people you know, think, well, you know, I, what hope is there for me? You know, my parents were like that. My father was like this. My mother was like that. But Josiah, nobody could have had worse parents than he had, his father and his grandfather. But in spite of their wickedness, he, Josiah was probably the most godly and righteous king of Judah. And 
by the grace of God. He was, he was able to overcome traits that he had inherited from his forefathers. And by the grace of God, by the grace of God, I believe we, by God's grace, because of Jesus, what Jesus has done on the cross, we can overcome maybe negative things in our lives that have been passed down from our parents or grandparents or great-grandparents or even great-grandparents. Josiah was only eight years of age when he became king, and eight years later, he was only 16 years of age, and it says he began to seek God. He began to seek God. You know, young people, young people, Ecclesiastes 12.1, remember thou thy creator in the days of thy youth. While you're young, follow the Lord. Be like Josiah. Seek God. Ask God to give you a love for the word of God and an understanding of the word of God. In the 12th year of Josiah's reign, only 20 years of age, he began to purge Judah of idolatry. He got rid of all the false prophets of Baal, the high places. He got rid of idolatry in the land. And then in the 18th year of his reign, so 18th year of his reign, he began when he was eight years of age, so that means he's 26 years of age. And that was the year when he was 26. That was the year when the, the, the book of the Lord was discovered. And they'd lost it with all the, the backsliding. The book of the Lord had been lost. But it was discovered in jo Josiah's time. And when Josiah had the book of the law read to him, and he, he you know, in Deuteronomy 28 and 29, it speaks the blessings of those who obey, the curses that will come, and the judgments that will come on those who rebel and disobey. And when, he heard, when Josiah heard of the judgments that had, that had come because of the sins of, his foreheart, the sins of his forefathers, there was a genuine repentance of himself and of his people. And the king made a covenant to walk with the Lord and to keep his commandments and caused all the people present to take their stand and to keep the covenant of the Lord. That's in 2 Chronicles 34, 31, verse 32. And then in the 18th year of his reign, that means Josiah's 26 years, that was the year when the book of the law was found, and he and the people made a covenant with the Lord. He decreed to celebrate the Passover. And the Passover turned into a revival, and it was the greatest revival that Judah and Israel had ever experienced, even greater than Hezekiah's. And Josiah was only 26. And together with Josiah, there were two other prophets. There was Jeremiah. He was just, he'd just begun his ministry. He was about 21 years of age. And there was another prophet, Zephaniah. He was, he was also young. He was, a, he was about 25 years of age. So these three men... Josiah the king, 26. Jeremiah the prophet, 21. Zephaniah the prophet, 25. Those three young men, they spearheaded 
this great revival in the Old Testament. And I believe this is a type of what will happen in the last days. God will use young men and women mightily to spread this, you know, coming mighty revival throughout the nations. And I believe God still has a place for those who are white-haired like myself. Uh, but, uh, you know, in fact, God has a place for everyone. But I believe, you know, it's, it's, it's significant. They were young men. They were all young men. And they were the ones to spearhead that great revival. You know, the word of God is so important. It is so important in revival. When I first went to Indonesia many, year, many years ago, I'd read a book in Indonesia about the, the revival in the island of Timor, Indonesia, which happened about 1965. And, and many miracles happened, and the church was burning on fire, and the, the people you know, called the, 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 fire, the fire people to come and to put out the fire. But, but it was God's fire. When they got, they got there, they realized it was God's fire, and it could not be put out. And, I mean, amazing miracles. There was the raising of the dead. There was the, they, one time they pulled up water from the well, and then it turned into, turned into wine or, or grape juice. I don't know. But a, a wonderful miracle happened. Another miracle happened. They crossed over a deep, deep river. And, I mean, there were incredible miracles that happened. And when I was in Indonesia, I asked about that revival. Was it still continuing? Was it still going on? And, and that particular area, there's a lot of Catholics in that area. And sadly, my heart was saddened because I heard that they were not continuing on to serve the Lord. They'd all backslidden. And I'd asked, and then I asked the pastor, I asked him, what was the reason that revival stopped? And he gave me two reasons. But one of the reasons, one of the reasons is people got saved but then there was no teaching for them to go on and to mature and get rooted in the Lord and get to know the word of God and to grow in the spiritual life. And that was one of the reasons that, you know, people, if people just hear the gospel only, you know, Sunday after Sunday, and that's wonderful to bring people to the Lord, but if we're going to go on, there must be the teaching ministry. And there must be the word of God which is taught. And so that was one of the reasons that revival did not last. And we want this revival that's coming. We want it not to just fizzle out, come and then just fizzle out after a few months. No, we want to see it continue to go on and become stronger and stronger. And people get established in the Lord and rest. And those who are backslidden return again and get strengthened and established and strong in the word of God. And so just in closing, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Revival is coming. We must be prepared. We've looked at many different ways of being prepared. But one of the key, one of the most important ones is the word of God. And we must know and love the word of God. You know, if, if you don't read the word of God and all you hear is Sunday morning, you're not going to grow very much. You're not going to mature very much. We need to get into the Word of God for ourselves, individually. And I want to encourage you to be reading 
You know, we need to, we need to hear the word, hear the word of, hear the word of God. Meditate on what we hear. We need to read the word of God. Meditate on what we read. To study the word of God. Meditate on what we study. To memorize certain scriptures from the word of God, and and meditate upon upon them. Especially that the Lord is quickened to our heart. And that's why Paul writes to Timothy. And he says, 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so I want to encourage you, make sure you are daily feeding on the word of God, daily reading the word of God. And, and don't just sort of go, you know, just point your finger somewhere. But I suggest you have a plan. And we've, we gave out a Bible reading plan at the beginning of the year. We've still got a few copies left over if you want to pick one up at the, at the back. Uh, but I want to encourage you, e- even if it's only a short time to begin with, do it daily. Read the Word of God daily. And then, as you're able to, increase it. If you find that Bible reading plan is, is a bit too much, too, too much to read, you know you can adapt that to, to 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 your own situation. And there's various Bible apps and things you can get on your phone to to to, to read the Word of God each day, daily. Daily have your time with the Lord, of time with prayer, time with meeting with God, time in reading and studying the Word of God. You know, maybe some of you, maybe God is called to study with CCU down in Florida where you can get more into the depth of the Word of God and go on and continue to mature and to grow in His Word. His Word is life. His Word is blessing. And remember, you know, that great revival of Josiah, it was, it was founded upon the, the finding of the book of the law which had got lost, and it was found and discovered, and the the nation returned to God and the ways of God. Revival is coming. By the grace of God, we must be prepared. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your precious word. Your word is life. Your word is truth. Oh, God, help us to value your word. Help us to love your word. Help us to read daily your word. Help us to obey your word. Help us to listen to your word, to hearken to your word, to walk according to your commandments, O God. O God, Lord, we pray, reveal yourself to us through your word. Grant understanding. Grant revelation. Open our eyes, Lord, to behold wondrous things out of your word. And Lord, we pray, Lord, give each of us a fresh hunger, a fresh thirst to know your word, to love you. And Lord, we thank you that even through your word, we come to know you in a more intimate and a wonderful way. Oh God, Lord, I pray, seal these truths in each of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as the musicians come.